pull the pin already, a place where average veterans come and share their views on the world we live in. We can't promise you'll like what we have to say, but we will promise it's genuine. I'm Jim. And I'm Mike. And it's time to pull the pin. So let's get started. If you haven't read the disclaimer, uh, our disclaimer is, we do not represent the views of the U.S. military, nor do we pretend to believe that all military personnel share our opinion. So we thought it appropriate. Our first uh, discussion is going to be about um, veterans who try to speak for all veterans. Have you have any experience with that, Mike? I've had a lot of experience. Matter of fact, uh, I've had experience with that almost on a daily basis. And the one thing I try to tell people is you can't paint everyone with a broad brush. And I'm sure you've experienced that. So at my job where I work here on uh, Fort Hood, I like to tell people you can't speak for all veterans if you haven't gone through everything that the veterans, uh, those vets have gone through. We have military police. We have uh, tanker vets. We have uh, medical vets where I work. So everyone's experience is different. You know, I know we were all soldiers, but the one thing I always say is, no, you can't say some people have deployed and some of us have not. So how can my experience be the same as someone who's been to Bosnia, Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, multiple times, you know, and I, that's why I try to tell people don't don't do it. It's wrong. Yeah, I can totally relate. And it's, it's interesting, too, because uh, you're seeing it almost like it's in the military. It's actually happening while people are still in the military. Yes. And that's fascinating because I tend to see a lot of it outside. I mean, I'm already retired and outside the military, I've had encounters. I mean, even with people in, in normal conversations and, and they'll like blow up their chest. Well, well, I'm a veteran and I, you know, and I sit there and think, I'm like, well, you're one veteran. You know what I mean? Yes. You, don't, you don't speak for me. And what's right. coming out of your mouth isn't what I believe. So, you know, I've seen people do that, and, and I think somehow um, the military veteran, the thanks for your service, all that stuff, although it's very appreciative, but I think sometimes guys, they hang their hat on that. You know, they, they, they kind of feel like that I'm wearing this veteran status, so I am the military. Yes. And, and, and you know, I, I'm not going to lie. Maybe I've even felt victim of that before. Maybe, you know, maybe I've done it. You know, maybe I've barged into a, a social media conversation and said, hey, I'm a veteran and, you know, I love this country. And, you know, I, I've probably done it myself, uh, but I don't really, I don't really uh, fool myself into thinking that everyone thinks like me. Right. Now, now with me, what I like to tell people is if you, for instance, when I was in Afghanistan as a contractor, I spent more time overseas in the Middle East as a contractor than I did when I was in the military. But when I was over there, I met an E7, and he said uh, he believes that that hero title is uh, used way too much. And a lot of the younger soldiers now are coming in the military thinking automatically they are a hero. And next thing you know, you have a hero that is in Leavenworth. And you and I both know about Leavenworth, right? <laughs> Not personally. Yeah. So just I, I don't I can't speak for you. No, no. I've, I've never been been in no, Leavenworth. I've been there. I've seen it. I've been there. Oh yeah. Oh. Well, no, that was I was on a tour. I was there. <laughs> Glad you clarified that. We're off oh, yeah. to a great start. <laughs> a couple of veteran felons coming yeah. live. <laughs> I was in Mannheim as, as well, you know, over in Germany. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did, I did work the medium of minimum custody prison at Fort Riley, Kansas. 
Oh, you did? Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I can tell you some stories from that, but we ain't got oh, time. Yeah. And what I notice is it's just like the uh, civilian prisons or institutions, jail, is no different, except they once donned the uniform. Right. So these people uh, that Sergeant First Class was telling me was not everyone's a hero just because they donned the uniform, and I totally agree. Right, and you see it too. I think you touched on it earlier about deployments. And I was stationed in Hawaii for three years, and, and I know you can really? imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I, know. <laughs> I know you can imagine that those career people that end up in Hawaii for nine years, uh, their deployments are not the same as our deployments. Exactly. But yet they are so willing to share a lot of their opinions and advice because they're, you know, veterans or their rank is so high. They're, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, like I said, I don't discredit them. You know, if, if you've been in a staff job for 10, 15 years, when I go to file my paperwork, I expect the best. Uh, but if you're going to try to tell me about what it's like to be on the front line or even anywhere near it, it it's kind of like, come on, dude, just I get it. You outrank me. Just, you know, stay in your lane. Yeah, I agree. I agree. See, I'm different uh, as military police like we were. <laughs> I didn't like the uh, Air Force SPs. I couldn't stand them. I was jealous. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie about it. When, <laughs> when we had to uh, work, we had a joint operation with them, and I found out they are not allowed to work more than eight hours. Yeah, jealousy set set in there. You know, Mike. Mike, we can have a whole discussion <laughs> about the Air Force. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate every branch. And if I could do it all over again. I would have been in the Air Force. Same here. Nope. And you know, I bet there's some Air Force veterans who are saying, no. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But but let's let's talk about the different branches with this, too. That's interesting because do you find any specific uh, branch that tends to do, you know, the I speak for the military thing more than any other branch? Uh, no, speak for the entire military? No, I don't think I've ever encountered that. <clears throat> I only say that because most of the time, you know, an army person is going to speak up for or speak for the army alone. Right. They, you know, they're not um, informed enough to speak for the Marines. Sure. Now, the Marines, they, they, they probably think they could speak for everyone just because they, they are Marines. They're the baddest ones sure. on the planet went into the Marines. Yeah. Yep. I think the Marines do. I mean, the Marines tend to, to believe in the Marines. I mean, they're, they're well I don't call brainwashed. That's not fair. <laughs> They're well indoctrinated in the Marine Corps. And that's, it's awesome. We need that. Yeah. You know, I think Army are probably more susceptible to speak out for everything they don't know because we're kind of a total branch. We do a lot of things, you know. Yes. We don't have specific. I don't really hear much from Air Force and Navy. No. But I was going to say, um, you know, I think that's the, the lower – meat and potatoes other than egos and, and stuff like that i think the only time we've seen it is, is probably lately in the news um we, yeah. we've had some high profile military uh personnel and i'm not going to name them all because it's still it's probably a political trigger send us down a whole different rabbit hole right but these people coming out as you know i'm admiral this or i'm you know general this or what and they're, they're acting like they speak for the entire service i think we even had a group of them yeah sign yeah. something like they represent me I, i'm obviously no longer in but if you don't want to you know follow your commander's orders that has nothing to do with my opinion right and one thing i remember when i was in i used to you know on the news some, whatever was going on at the time there would be some retired command sergeant major some retired general some retired colonel 
some retired person on some news outlets speaking for the military and the morale of the military. And I'm looking like, uh, no, that's not true. No, no, things suck down here. Sorry, that's not true. You know, and that's coming from when I was low enlisted all the way up to a non-commissioned officer. So, that, you know, that's that's a great example, too, that I, I wasn't even thinking about. How many times have you been on a base? You know, where I was in, I was in Macedonia and we get these visitors, even the Sergeant Major of the Army came there and, you know, they're coming around, they're doing their tour. Everybody's rolling out the red carpet, smiling, yeah. teeth brushed and all that stuff. And they go back and like, well, a soldier morale is high. This is great. This is awesome. As soon yeah. as they leave, everybody's like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go back and report this stuff. So, you know, that's kind of not the same. I don't feel like it's on topic because we're kind of fooling them too. Right. But they really can't speak for all of us, even if they just speak for one or two of us that they talk to. Yes. So I guess it's kind of commonplace for them. Yeah, and uh, what I was referencing a lot was these, uh, since we're talking about vets, like when they're on the, these social media or news outlets and they say, oh, the morale is high, I have my sources. Well, you're a retired command sergeant major. I doubt if you're talking to that private or that sergeant or that, even an LT that's down on the ground, boots on the ground, you're talking to a fellow command sergeant major. And when they walk around, like you said, Jim, <laughs> Wow, everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy. I guess it's not as bad as I may have heard. Yeah, yeah. Even That's worse, true. starting your day off with a round of golf and a great breakfast and lunch <laughs> is going to be great for morale, I'm sure. Exactly. You know, what are those guys in the guard tower doing? Exactly. I don't know, but they're not golfing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. And I've done it too many times. Even like uh, when I was at Fort McPherson, they had a nine-hole golf course on Fort McPherson, and next thing you know, they tore down some housing and – Morale is definitely improved. Oh, yeah. Try to get on the golf course, Private. See what happens. <laughs> you guys go live in tents, but we got 18 full holes now. That's right. All right. We don't want to bash too many officers. No, that gives no, away the no. fact that we're not officers. Right. <laughs> but in no, all I, fairness, yeah. I like it, though. I, I mean, I, I'll throw this out. I enjoyed my military career. But at a certain point, I just said uh, it's time to do something different. So, man, I like to bash right. them. I say we can do that because we served. Right. Yeah. But you don't you don't go around talking for the military, do you? No, no, never. You're, never. You don't represent them. Right. And, you know, even in our conversations we have had, you know, in the past and, you know, in the recent uh, uh, history here, um, I tell people, like, if I repeat something that you say as a vet, I say, well, you know, my friend Jim, he, he told me he experienced this. You know, I don't just say, hey, at the VA, they do this. Uh, right. Do that. I just tell them about personal experiences. Well, I'm going to be. I'm going to be real. It's easy to easy to fall into. You know, I don't want to deceive people acting like, you know, we know how to separate the difference and we we can't be victims of or victims, not even victims wouldn't be the word. We can't be uh, guilty of of doing it because, like I said earlier, you know, I've probably done it before. It's easy to fall into and walk into like a, a situation and be like, this is what it always is because it's ingrained in you constantly. Yeah. But it, when it comes to, to to opinions, when you're standing before you know, the world or, or, or a crowd or more than one person, it's very hard to justify your opinion speaking for everyone. Does that make any sense? Like if you're yeah. having a one-on-one conversation with somebody and they ask you, what's the military like, you know, you can share like, well, it's this, it's that, it's that, you know, yeah. cow is kind of whatever, the food is, you know, the sleep, the, you know, you can share all those experiences and probably be genuinely close to what a lot of people think. 
Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? But I think uh, you have to be honest when certain questions, if you're having a, a serious conversation, someone's going to ask you more than one question. And I think you have to be honest. Um, for instance, I used to be a civilian police officer and someone here in Texas asked me, hey, why do, you, why do police officers do this? I said, hey, wait a minute. Now in Georgia, you know, the state law in Georgia is different than the state law in Texas. Now, if you're talking about the militaries, well, you know, I was military police. I wasn't infantry. Right. You know, in the military police arena, we said, hey, before we get out this Humvee, back then we say death before dismount we're not getting out of here no <laughs> why they give us the big guns yeah <laughs> i can't lift this it's gotta that's stay right. <laughs> we need now, two men and one man sleeping that's right <laughs> but now you have uh someone who's infantry and they're used to walking or you know road marching 15 20 20 miles right so, right yeah i can't speak on that well, in, in all fairness, too, um, you know, let's be real. I, I don't. I'm never going to say that military police are better than any other soldiers or, or Marines or, or however. I don't want to get into brand specific. Right. But we are in the public eye with a, a duty that's not just combat related that requires us to have a higher standard of our behavior. Right. So it, it's not that you don't have bad behavior from some, you know, some guys like like that. But uh, you tend to see more people who have to watch themselves all the time right. than you would for carefree. Hey, let's just go shoot people and then we can go party like it's 1999. Right. <laughs> but I think uh, a lot, I see a lot more people try to speak for the entire military or vets. Right. More so than those vets who are um, their personal military career specific. In a conversation, right? And to their defense, they might it might be because they're talking to one person or a group of people who have no military experience. So they're just giving them theirs without that intent to mean this is how the military well, is. That's what I was kind of alluding at earlier. Right. That when you're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and people ask you what's it like I'm thinking about joining the military. Sometimes we it's real easy to say, "Hey, this is what it's like," as if you're speaking for the whole military. Right. You know, it's easy to do that because it is going to be hard. You are going to lose sleep. You know, you are going to make friends. You're going to have enemies. You're going to do tough things. You know, so those things are kind of standard across the board. But you can't just say it sucks, you know, right. because somebody else might love it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. So yeah. then you'd have to start saying, well, I didn't enjoy it or I did enjoy it or whatever your scenario. Right. I agree. 100 percent. 100 percent. That's the part of, like we said, you have to be honest in that conversation. Right. And Good. sometimes it's just as easy. Hey, I'm not speaking for everyone, but my experience, it sucked. Like right. going out to the field, it sucked. But in all honesty, I hated it, but it was a good experience. So, yeah, I hope hopefully in the in the, the political realm, which we're, we're witnessing, you know, these days, hopefully good people can stop saying, uh, you got to believe this guy because he's a veteran or he's in the military. Or hopefully they can stop. Please, please. Just not practical. I mean, right. nobody in the military speaks for me. Nobody does. Right. You know, so I can't expect to speak for them or anything. So uh, we got to stop yeah. doing that. Yeah. And the other thing is just because someone says something about a vet or a soldier that's negative, they're not anti-America and, you know, they're not a patriot. I, I, you know, you have to stop that. Right. You know, just stop it. You know, all they're doing is uh, voicing their own opinion. And just like anything else, it, it, all opinions vary. 
Right. So it, hopefully, I mean, I don't know what, what kind of people are out there listening or watching us. You know, I, I would assume we could get a, a whole bunch, maybe some people understanding and, and speaking to the people who aren't in the military or, or connected with the military. You know, that's good, really good advice for them. So when they see on TV that some general or some whatever is speaking about, you know, something against some political thing, that he, he, he's speaking his opinion. That's what he is. Right. He can't speak for me. You know, even if I agree with him, he can't speak for me. And that's why we all have our own opinions and rights and, you know, things like that. So even though we're somewhat controlled by these people as far as rank and, and you know, orders, but they can't speak for us. Right. Now, I know a lot of people, like I know uh, a former Navy SEAL. Who? Yeah, if you wasn't in the firefight, he oh, he speaks bad about you. You know, I say I just call him Johnny Rambo. You know, right, right. I can do that because we were close at that time. But, right. you know, he, he spoke about the military from his point of view. And he had a lot of interesting stories. Sure. A lot. You know, but when we were together, him and uh, a mutual friend of ours, the mutual friend would look at me and say, hey, did you experience that? I say, hell no. I was military police. You know? <laughs> but yet, but yet he, he has no idea what it's like to make a traffic stop. On exactly. somebody you have no clue. So, yes. you know, he could take his big guns and his snorkel wherever he wants to go yeah. and, and tell you all his stories. But, you know, I think it's not fair for him to, to, to have some level of disrespect for you because you didn't live what he lived. Right. And I think right. we've talked about that. And one of the things, uh, you know, I don't want to get too far off that, but one of the things that made me realize that is we were, you know, laughing and joking about the Air Force guys. Well, now one of the new jobs these kids are doing, younger kids too, are these drone pilot things, you know? Oh, man, yes. So, and, and we, you know, we can all sit there like, how fun it would be to, to fly a drone. Yeah. One of the things brought to my attention by uh, one of the vets I was talking to is, could you imagine looking down the screen and seeing somebody, a human life at the other end, and you're the one that pushes the button? Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine that in that aspect. Obviously, you know, military police, you can imagine having to shoot somebody in it. But you just you just never know. You really never know. Right. So and going to our forte, which is military police and law enforcement, you know, it's doing it like you said, doing a traffic stop. You know, people don't know how your heart is rushing, is racing, and all the, uh, you know, energy that goes into that. Something as simple as a traffic stop. Yeah. So, like you said, most people don't have that experience. You think it's easy because you're in a military installation, but no. As military right. police, we knew, right. you know, not like all to, soldiers are heroes. I like to tell them, you know, I like to compare it. You know, think about your first date. You know, that moment right before <laughs> your first kiss? Yes. You know how nerve-wracking it is? You can yeah. have Barney walk right by you and you wouldn't even notice. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So imagine yourself in that moment, except it's life or death with some guy at the other end of the barrel. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. That's why when I hear people talk and they talk with uh, such absolution, you right. know, and I'm like, okay, that's their experience. Sure. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, their experience is valuable. It's always oh, valuable yeah, to contribute to the conversation. Um, but sometimes we tend to get wrapped up in our own experiences and, and feel like that everyone should understand the world from our view. Right. I think that's important even in the conversation we have right now is is we are veterans. And, yes, we do probably as a whole. I can't speak for all veterans. Otherwise, I'd be the biggest hypocrite on the first right. episode ever. But I think as a whole, veterans have seen things that most people don't see, even if it's just basic training. 
That's right. You know, so they probably have a slightly different perspective on, you know, your natural everyday life, you know, that other people don't have. Yeah, and keeping it in the context of vets, in a lot of situations, I'd much rather be next to a vet than uh, just a regular civilian. Sure, sure. Yeah, just because yeah. of that experience. And they right. might have only done three years. Or And if you take just the basic, and I don't know if they still call it AIT or whatever, you know, after basic uh, training, but just take, taking that into account, the average person, they they wouldn't be able to handle right. that. Right. And see there, I just kind of displayed one of those areas where I like, I almost feel like you kind of can generalize yeah. and speak for the military. But I don't think you can, you know, say that everybody is like that. I, even even right. there are probably exceptions. People that went to basic training and didn't phase on. Yes, that's right. You know? Right. So. And then they'll listen to like if some of our viewers right now, they're probably looking like, what are you talking about basic training? That was too easy. Right. You know? <laughs> right, right. There's no experience there. What are they talking about? Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you know, know? I'll tell you, I, I've had some of those guys from, uh, you know, the farmlands out, you know, Midwest come yeah. here, you know, throwing bays or hail bays or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know nothing about that stuff. And they're like, what's the problem, Jim? Yeah. I'm like, this rock is heavy. <laughs> and, then, and they're like, you want me to carry it for you? No, I'm okay. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember in the conversation, I was telling them about a seven or probably like five or seven mile rock march. And the guy was just looking at me like, and I said, oh, you experienced that? He said, eh, yes, um, yeah, I was infantry. I said, never mind. We're good. <laughs> you got like an now. extra pair of socks I could borrow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I would say um, in the same line that now if someone ever asked me, hey, in your military career, have you ever deployed? You know, I would say no. Really? Yeah, because I've been around so many, and you know, I don't like to call them kids, but so many of the younger soldiers now who they've been to Afghanistan two times, Iraq, deployed, pulling triggers. Oh, right. I went to Bosnia. Right. You know? <laughs> Nothing well, yeah, happened in Bosnia. It is, you know, I don't, I don't want to bleed into a different topic too too far off the, the beaded trail here, but, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, t I even said to a guy um, in a conversation that I had a lot more respect for the older veterans because I've interacted with yeah. them because That's to right. me, I feel like they were boots on the ground. You know, yeah. they were all infantry. I agree. You I know, agree. and he took offense to it because he think he had like six Afghanistan tours. And wow. I was like, well, you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm like, you didn't, you know, before you crack my neck, I'm not saying right. do good things, you know, right. or earn your, your keep. I'm just saying back then, you know, things were a little different. And even yeah. right now, I think they're a little different. So even, even given that, let me tie it back into the, the topic. Um, I can't even speak for these soldiers in there today with their first deployment. Thank you. Because their Thank experience you. may be totally different than what I went through for all of my deployments. Right. And, you know, I was telling a couple of coworkers of mine today about an incident as a contractor over in uh, Afghanistan when, you know, certain things happen. But knowing what the soldiers went through while we were there and going through that and, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's right. different. I, I respect the soldiers. I respect vets. Hey, if you don the uniform, you have my respect, you know, because I know somewhat of what you had to go through, you know, so there's a lot of empathy there. But like you with that one, if they deployed six times. Right. It was yeah, I, I can't even imagine that. And some of the stories and oh, my yeah. God. 
Yeah. Things I would not even want to dream about, let alone experience. Right. And then on top of that, one guy I know, it, was, it wasn't it was six times, it was four times, Iraq, Afghanistan, two apiece. And, you know, we started joking. I said, are you married? Yeah. She's hung in there with me. I was like, wow. Hats off to her, too. Right. You know, right. at home, taking care of the family. So there's yeah. a lot of things when people speak, I say, oh. Vets go through a lot, but right, and they have that ring on the fingers. You got to think about that the other half at home. And that's a good way to tie into it too. You you can't speak for the entire military because there's so many factors like that. Right. You know, it's so it's it's a whole different experience when I was a young single soldier going in. You know, to Germany where I was 18 and I can drink. Yeah. That's a total <laughs> different experience than if that's you right. take a married guy and take him. You know hundreds of thousand miles away from his, his family. Right. You know, that that's another reason you can't really speak for other people. Right. So you got to take it all as you can. Like I said, I think it's fair to generalize. You know, if I were to summarize my, uh, my view on this, I think it's fair to generalize certain things about the military because I think right. anybody can look on TV and see that. But I think it's very unfair to stand up on a podium and pretend you speak for the military. Exactly. For so. those who serve and for those who have served. Exactly. Yeah. Well, any last minutes before we pull the pin on this one? No, I think we're ready to pull the pin. <laughs> All right, let's pull the pin. All right. All right. So let's move into a segment that uh, we want to try to do just to give us an opportunity to, uh, you know, let ourselves uh, vent on something, uh, an experience. Uh, we call the pull the pin already. And it's really just something we pick out of our daily life that just – uh, I don't know if I come up with a good adjective, but it, it irks us enough that we want to just pull the pin on the spot. Uh, mm. So I'll, I'll give you, Mike, if you got something, I'll give you the first go, or if you want, I can share mine. Oh, you go ahead. All right. You're going to find out I got a lot of problems with uh, bathrooms. Um, but in particular, uh, I don't know who the guy is that invented the round toilet bowl. Because I don't care what gender you are or want to be or pretend to be or any of that stuff. Um, that round toilet bowl is not sufficient for anyone to sit on and do anything other than, you know, you know, drop the kids off of the pool, as they say. Right. Uh, if you try to interject with any other op opportunities or options, uh, that toilet bowl is way too small to start screaming and pushing things in. So I don't know who you are that invented that, but I do want to thank the guy who created the elongated one who was more practical. <laughs> oh, my God. What do you got, Mike? Well, I would say uh, I, was, this, I fought long and hard about this one. I know some people, gonna, some of the viewers might not like this, even though I understand it. I don't. <laughs> Why, when I go to uh, pick up some plants or flowers or some sod, I have to go to a nursery? I never understood it. Just, <laughs> I just want to pull the pin on that one. No, when I think of a nursery, I think of nursery rhymes, nursery with some babies, all of that. You know, I never envisioned sod, trees, small trees, seeds, dirt. Maybe, you know? maybe what you don't see, Mike, is somebody in the back cradling the seeds. Yeah. Maybe, maybe somebody feeding them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're missing something. I know that's. A, it, it probably sounds like a stretch, but hey, this is our segment. Segment, and I'm calling it pin. Pull the pin, and I'm pulling the pin on that one, man. We need to change the name. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> awesome. No more nurseries and elongated toilets. Exactly. Off to a great start. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for joining us here at Pull the Pin already. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, or whatever else you want to do. Most importantly, leave a comment. Let us know how you feel. Till next time, Godspeed. And pull the pin. <laughs>